Hey, it's Greg Brady. Welcome to the two. Hey, it's Greg Brady. Welcome to the Monday, September 13th edition of Toronto Today. We talked about the federal election, new polls that seem to be beneficial to the Liberal Party of Canada. I've got a theory about that, and it's called the, uh, what did I call it? The, 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 the restaurant principle, where you would not go and brag to your friends that you had a good meal at a restaurant. It's either got to be amazing, and then you'll talk about it, or it had to be a bad experience, and then you'll talk about it and leave a bad review and tell everybody not to go there. Well, that was a lot of the electorate that seemed to be getting polled in August. So I talk about that, and we'll talk about it with pollster John Wright as well. Also, Dr. Andrew Buzeri on the show. Also, Dr. Andrew Buzari on the show. We'll talk about the planned protests outside healthcare facilities, including Toronto General Hospital. I think you have to mention it. I think it has to be covered. And I think, if anything, it has aligned the public to say right is right and wrong is wrong. You can have opinions about lockdowns. You can have opinions about some of the restrictions. I sure have in the last several months. But you cannot block the ability for people to go and do their jobs in any walk of life, let alone in healthcare. And you sure can't be frazzling the already stressed nerves of patients or relatives of patients or support staff. Can't be having it. And uh, we need a strong response today. That's not to say we need trouble. It's not to say we need the police involved. But we'll be talking about it with Dr. Buzari on the show if you missed the live broadcast this morning. Here it is, Toronto Today, best of from Monday's show. You see the headline in the Toronto Star this morning. Ontario Nurses Association calls for safe zones as anti-vaxxers plan to protest at Toronto hospitals again on Monday. And I think this is about two conversations right now. And one, the answer is obvious. And two, the answer is a little more, uh, a lot of gray area. Life's about gray area sometimes. This is why the tool of um, discussing things often on Twitter it's just such a waste. There's no nuance. There's no people have mentioned before that like they'll they'll tell a joke and it'll flop. It'll be like, but there's no sarcasm button. Well, you didn't tell it well enough. Uh, whereas in person, you would know from uh, a speech pattern. You would know from uh, the, the, the tenor of the uh, joke, whether it was a good joke or not. But I bring that up because the subtlety and the nuance goes into the second question. And you can text as mentioned, by the way, 289-975-1640. Is there any possible justification not, not, you don't know what I'm going to say yet, be careful, not for allowing a protest against vaccines at hospitals across the country, including one planned at Toronto General Hospital today? Not is there any justification for it, but is there any justification, period, for protesting anywhere about this and i'm not trying to shut down free speech and i'm not trying to shut down the concept that people can have their opinions but when progress is blocked when things are thrown off kilter that are so important to what we do and i i won't even go there yet yet with the mental and emotional distress healthcare workers patients family members of patients, and it sure doesn't have to be COVID. Why is it that people have medical procedures creep up on them? Well, it's because they're not either A, taking care of themselves, or B, they're canceling them because the hospitals in general stress them out. 
oftentimes, and this is true, it's documented by data, men are the worst for this. Men are the worst for lots of things, but let's stick to one thing a day. Men are the worst for, I didn't get, I haven't got my physical in five or six years. Well, you know, I never hear women say that. I never hear women say, I just haven't gone to the doctor in three years. Um, Men do this from time to time. Now, imagine a scenario where you're concerned about COVID and you have things that you want to get done today or or a procedure that's scheduled. You finally took the plunge and you said, I'm going to get this looked at. I'm going to talk to somebody about this. And this could be any range of things, right? Physical, emotional, mental. And um, you don't feel that today you'll be able to go to that hospital. And this is happening all across the country. Um, you don't feel like you'll feel safe. You don't feel like you won't be stressed. And the fact that the premier and the mayor of the city came out yesterday and tweeted, and again, here's that medium, uh, that they condemn the potential protests. Well, that's a start. Okay. That's better than not. I'd rather they did that than not did that. But what are the tangible things that are going to transpire here? You know, and I know in the city of Toronto, these protesters have been running rampant bothering restaurateurs, harassing patrons, jeopardizing business, making people not want to come back to the place where they had this ugly or uncomfortable incident. Most times ugly. What's the solution? You can't throw these people in jail. They are in a, but we've just never had any sort of issue like this. We've never had any sort of debatable topic come up and have it be so vitriolically opposed. We haven't anti-war protests. No, I don't think so. We haven't had that uh, discussion even about Black Lives Matter. Well, yes, we, we had that last summer in the summer of 2020. And we just thought that's not disrupting business. They're not. We're not seeing what we saw in some places in the states, which the then presidential candidate Joe Biden had to comment on and say, we can't be harassing people eating outside. OK, you can't be bothered. You can't be coming up to people and bothering them. And it's true. It's incredibly true. And I know where we're at right now with this polarization with uh, anti-vaxxers. But I would say as well, you're going to the wrong place. You're, you're, messing, you're mixing with the wrong crowd if this is just about lockdowns for you. Because I've had it with lockdowns. There isn't one move, one single move a government official or public health official could make to tighten the screws on us now that I would support. There's not one. Should schools be safer? Absolutely. Should we make sure we mitigate risks in our workplace? Of course. Do we want as as little community spread as possible so our vaccine passports and mandates the way to A, make people feel safer and increase consumer confidence, and B, to get us to this point of the ridiculous numbers and the ridiculous ludicrous threshold that our politicians and public health officials say that we need to get to. We need to get there for what? You have to answer that. And it's important to point out that though we've got a city of Toronto pushing the concept of getting to 90% fully vaccinated, let me assure you, I've heard Peter Sherman say this on this station. I've said it. I don't know if other hosts have said it. That's fine if they haven't. But this is plain and simple mathematics. And you can say it with me or you can shake your head and disagree. That's that's okay. That's okay. But in terms of pure data, pure numbers, we aren't getting to 90% fully vaccinated. It's not happening. 
and and we're not willing to watch the drip, 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 trickle, trickle, trickle of us attempting in futility to get there and having us give other things back and having it cost us other principles and beliefs and freedoms and practical things that we're not willing to A, give up, and B, if we've already given them up, or give up that's fresh, I should say, and B, if we've already given them up, to not want back. Scott Gottlieb's a phenomenal, phenomenal voice. You you know that. I put him on the, the show on a regular basis. We play his clips all the time from CBS This Morning. Scott Gottlieb admittedly uh, says this about, um, he's a doctor, obviously, in the United States. Um, he says we're not getting to 90%. No way, no how. Not in the United States. I think the um, downside of this mandate in terms of hardening positions and taking something that was subtly political and making it overtly political could outweigh any of the benefits that we hope to achieve. If you look at where we are right now, right now, 75 percent of adults over the age of 18 have had at least one dose of the vaccine. Most of them will complete the series. That's a very high number of people vaccinated owing to the good work of the Biden administration. We're not going to get above 90 percent. We don't even really reach 90 percent with childhood immunizations, which are mandated. So we're going to get somewhere between 80 and 90 percent. I would state that we would have gotten to 80% just on our current trajectory in short order. So, okay, exactly that. And I'm against the protests today. I find them absolutely disgusting that that's the methodology you would use and that's the place you would go. Hospitals. Why? You're going to get the maximum amount of attention. Why? Because it's the most egregious, offensive thing you can do. Going to Queens Park is not. Going and doing it in a public park is not. Doing it in Trinity Bellwoods isn't. Protesting outside Rogers Center tonight is not. You're going for the maximum amount of attention, and that attention is negative, but you don't care. And all I can think about is how embarrassed. Like, imagine imagine your last name, and imagine someone recognizing you and knowing your parents. Whether, it's, whether it doesn't matter, one parent, two parent, one's alive, one's not, you're divorced, they're divorced, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But I think about how... I would never have wanted to do anything, anything that made either my mom or dad embarrassed where they see that I've done something and I've ended up in the in the public eye and I've done something that humiliates the family name. I take that very, very seriously. I don't want my kids to do it either. Okay, so there's some management that goes along the way with that. But then I think to myself, are 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 these people's parents uh shameless again what will i say all the time what do i say all the time you can't you can't shame the shameless if you have no shame how do we shame you it doesn't work now that said i've got two distinctions to make about protesters today and uh, i i absolutely uh condemn the idea you know again we can't use fire hoses but mm, it occurs to me that some people would want that to be the case okay that's not what we do in a democracy, but we also don't just allow it to happen in a democracy and not step in. And we've been very poor at showing we're a democracy that has laws. And when those, law- those laws are breached and broken, those laws are enforced. We've done very little of that so far with the protesters. That's why I mentioned the restaurants downtown. That's why I mentioned that any demonstrations that have happened at schools or on campuses that have gotten out of hand or people have been throwing threats around at people or people have felt unsafe. That's why we need the police and we need law enforcement to step in. But I'd say this beyond the anti-vax movement, the anti-lockdown movement, if it was just about that, 
You don't want to you don't want to lock yourself in with these people. I would do your own thing. You don't want to be in with the anti-vaccine people, okay? Because we're all judging you as one collective now, and we're judging you by the worst sum of your parts. If we're going to talk about where we go right now, I play that clip from from you know Dr. Gottlieb, and he's right. Zero COVID's not a goal. That's not it, right? Our goal is not. We we get this now, right? We don't even have to have this conversation. We're not going to eradicate COVID. Like we know that, right? So what are the policies if this is endemic? What are the policies if this was here? Our goal was simple. Let's drastically reduce deaths. Let's reduce severe disease. Let's reduce people from getting flattened and sent to the hospital. How do we do that? We vaccinate the most vulnerable. We vaccinate the people in long-term care, retirement homes. Then we go by age. Then we go with some comorbidities. And then the rest of us who feel healthy go back and we live our lives, at least to some extent. That was the plan. That was the promise. And if you're going to keep moving goalposts on people, you lose public trust, plain and simple. I think it's a fair question. Okay. We've got incredibly strict laws here still in Toronto and in Ontario. So what's the goal? I, I, like, this is a question and you can answer on text 289-975-1640. What's the goal we're trying to achieve? It's that simple. What's the goal we're trying to achieve? Keep people out of the hospital? Okay, that's fine. I'm with you there. I don't want people in the hospital. What will change six months from now? Well, Greg, we'll be more vaccinated. Will we? How, ma- how much more vaccinated are we going to be six weeks from now? How much more vaccinated are we going to be 10 weeks from now? If zero COVID your goal, say so. And then we can shoot that down. We can throw that up like a balloon, like a balloon and, uh, and then take a BB gun and shoot it down. But you need to have goals and an off-ramp. Anything is like that in life. Anything is. You want to retire someday? Oh, how much do you want to retire? How much money do you want to retire? What's enough? You know the number, or you have a sense of it anyway. People have to know what they're working towards. And right now, I get the frustration about lockdowns. I get the frustration that people are worried about schools closing. Schools aren't closing. COVID's not going to close down schools in this province. And if it is, we've got a problem and an abdication of leadership. Not that's not that's not about what what COVID is. And that's not about the safeguards placed in place of which there should be many more clearly. But if you don't give people an off ramp and you don't state goals, you lose trust. You lose trust. I know people don't want to have this conversation. I don't care. It's a tough conversation to have. These questions are happening all over the place. They're happening in backyards. They're happening in front yards. They're happening when you go for a a, a beer with somebody and sit on a patio. And you know who's not having them with the rest of us? Our leaders, our politicians and our public health officials aren't telling us anything. And so any attempt to label me or people asking these questions and making these points as some kind of, you know, you're anti-mask. No, I'm not. I just want to know when my kid can take it off. You're in, you're the, the, your fringe. No, I'm not. Fringe would be liking the masks and wanting to keep wearing them uh, forever and ever and ever. So I like listening to balanced people, people I respect, smart people. Those are the people we try and put on the show. Plain and simple. You don't have to love having this conversation, um, but we better be pushing our politicians more. And if you feel that way, if you feel that way, protesting's fine and asking tough questions is fine. But not with this group today and not at hospitals. Okay, 
because you're destroying the logic and the sensibilities that people might respect you having by joining with this lot today who are uh, absolutely, absolutely untoward, absolutely thoughtless, absolutely callous and uh, full of a lot of hatred and a lot of frustration that will never, ever understand. And changing a few policies about vaccines isn't going to change who these people are. They're hardwired now. Okay. There's no going back for some of them. We all know this, right? All right. We've had him on before. Uh, Dr. David Fisman writes this uh, to what we were talking about. I got a lot of texts I want to get back in on as well. For the same reason uh, they avoid naming domestic terrorists, media outlets should consider a blackout on hospital protests. You're giving the organizers what they want and reinforcing bad behavior. I have a ton of respect for uh, Dr. Fisman. He's likely on the show uh, later this week. Um, not everything I agree with him on, but that's why I love our back and forth. I disagree with this. I, I, I think the media, boy, you talk about the media falling down on the job if there's problems today. What have we done this with the homeless encampments in the city when John Tory and the Toronto police were very, very heavy handed? Then we're ignoring something that's massively significant. It has to be covered. It's all about, you know, the lens by which you, you view it and, and the method by which you amplify this. Um, I know the principle, if it bleeds, it leads. That often is way more the case with TV than it is with radio. But it's important to have an objective mind about this stuff. I think you, you can't you can't turn your back on this and say, well, we're not sending a camera crew there. And no one wants to be the first to do that. These news organizations are competitive. They don't get together and uh, and get in on something like this. Um, I want to bring on our next guest. I'm excited to uh, to talk to him. John Wright's the executive vice president, mayor of public opinion. He's pollster, been a, a political pundit for some time as well. John, do I have that right? Is there any merit whatsoever in in ignoring a protest like this today if you're the media? Well, actually, uh, the opposite should be undertaken. I mean, I've been looking at this now for the last number of weeks. The uh, the protests appear to be uh, headed in two directions. One is a general backlash against the passports, which we talk about uh, this weekend dropped in Britain for much the same way. And that is that they usually are coming now with conditions and of engagement. And while there's a hardcore of the public that basically says, you know, lock them up, firearm get rid of them there's about 15 to 18 percent of the public who in, who in fact are against that sort of stuff they also mm. happen to be those who are anti-vax or uh, or concerned about vaccinations and what happens the second thing is that we have the right to be informed mm. i mean i i don't i think even um in newspaper reports even late last night i was still digging to find out what's behind all of this who are the people it's being organized from victoria to st john's today in all, every major city they're going to be tens of thousands of people out and by not reporting on this sort of stuff including the ppc which i think we probably will talk a little yeah. bit about who are growing in strength. I mean, you're just uh, allowing it to happen and the public isn't able to understand what it's about. So I made I made the distinction at top of the hour that if you are uh, against the concept of lockdowns and debating the merits of going any further, well, I might be right there with you because I don't think you try something interminably when it's been shown uh, not to work and you go back again, back again, back again, like a yo-yo or a windshield wiper. But, but I would say if you're upset about lockdowns or even, John, as you know, the vaccine mandate you realize you're going to be elbow to elbow today with a lot of people that just don't believe in 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 the vaccines and they're on this bill gates 5g non-science absolute bullcrap and and it's you know sometimes we're all known by the company we keep sometimes i'm not sure that's the best that's the best way to get your message out is to align with that particular group 
Well, the first thing is they shouldn't be at hospitals. I mean, I don't care what you're protesting if you are impeding the access to care for people um, or even having people cancel or staff cancel going there today. It's the wrong place to be doing it. Secondly, though, we are girding for a fight with a group of people across this country. And we're talking about 4.4 million, not a handful, but Mm -hmm. 4.4 million people who are beginning to push back on arbitrary um, engagement with a passport system that says you cannot go here or there to restaurants to a group of other places. This is the symbolic issue, which is saying you're not part of our society. We're calling it a passport. We're putting uh, rules onto it. And while there may be a lot of people who say, you know, we uh, that's a good thing, um, it means that we have a lot of people now who are going to come up against um, the rules and the rest of us who basically say, you know, we want you to be contained in certain things that you do in your life. And they're going to push back. So we're headed for Mm. confrontation across the country. Um, I've been wrong about a lot about the pandemic, for sure. A lot of people have. um, And you try and say when you are and and take accountability. Two things, though, I I was adamant about, and I think that they're being borne out. I said, we're going to hit a wall with doses at a certain point in time in June. There's no doubt about that. And our governments, municipal and provincial, seemed oblivious to it. Our public health officials seemed oblivious to it. And I would make the case, I just played a clip from from uh, the esteemed Scott Gottlieb in the States where he's like, we're not getting to 90% across America. And I would make that case here as well. We're not. And we've set these goalposts now at 90% because of the quote-unquote Delta variant. And uh, it's really discouraging not to have an off-ramp for for all these regulations, for masks, for for we are not telling people when we can get off the highway. And that's what's leading to a lot of distrust. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I, you know, I'm double vaxxed. I have to, you know, if we're going to be on one side of this or another, at least make the claim that I am, in, you know, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I know that science works. But I also know that if you start um, making claims that are going to put walls between different groups of people, you're going to have confrontation. My polling since started, I guess, two weeks before COVID started. Yeah, uh, we started uh, two mm-hmm. weeks before COVID um, got underway, has shown that there's been about 16% of people in this country who flat out refuse to have the vaccine. That's it. I mean, they flat out refuse. Now what's happening is that you're enjoining those people. Uh, let's let's talk about the People's Party of Canada as an, as an offshoot of this by about 6% of the population who are now coming together to join with those people who are libertarians, um, people who basically say, I have the right to be a responsible gun owner. Um, you know, you go through all these people who want liberty. You might as well call it the Liberty Party, but it's, it's a vessel mm-hmm. now where all of these people are starting to congregate. So it is having ramifications, and we're either going to have confrontation constantly in this you know country over the next period of time. We're going to have to figure out how we have a dialogue and how we're going to figure this out. I don't know personally, um, but we're going to see a lot more confrontation with groups of people who disagree with um, those who say you have to do this and you have to do that. We all know how it looked, John, because you followed elections for a long time. We all know how it looked after 2019. We looked at Bernier. We looked at his party. And we thought, well, well, that was a one off. That was a fruitless exercise. It didn't it didn't have any impact whatsoever on the election. You note the rising numbers. Um, it's hard to say, well, would, would, would Bernier and, and the PPC have any impact if we weren't in a pandemic? It's it's a ridiculous hypothetical. We are. So we've got to deal with the reality. Do you think that they ding into the potential seats and certainly the popular vote that Aaron O'Toole could potentially get? Any rise for them, is, re- is it really, really bad news for the Conservative Party? 
Well, I, on your first point, yeah, they aren't going to have some kind of impact. But I started polling on this about two weeks ago because the first question is, when did they start to rise in the polls? And they started rising in the polls during the week of the August the 17th. So if you look back before that, what you find, Greg, is, uh, you know, um, Quebec comes in with a passport. You see, it is all linked to this. You can see people galvanizing around it and moving across the country and starting to join over that time frame. Number two, you see his rhetoric change significantly. Uh, he's invoking John F. Kennedy when he begins his speeches, talking about yes. generations who have to stand up you know, to defend liberty. You, 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 you understand uh, about uh, when you start looking through the numbers about what is drawing these people. And it really is that they want liberty um, to be able to act in their uh, society and not be, um, you know, uh, excluded from things. Just as an example, I mean, we have uh, different provinces across the country who are contemplating at certain points that you can't go into a restaurant, you can't uh, work out in gyms, all that sort of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that, that people, you know, governments or medical people don't have the right to do certain things, but what you're going to get is pushback from people who say on the one day that they're in a, in a booth eating and everything's okay, mm -hmm. but on the very next day, they can't. This is the collision, and what's happening is that Mr. Bernie is providing them with a vessel to go in that direction so that they have a place to uh, actually be. Now, they're not what you would think stereotypically. They're not kind of the Republican um, agitators, which we would think they would be south of the border. Mm. Two-thirds of the people um, in, in this uh, group that's joining them are not Donald Trump uh, people. But secondly, they just look like you and me across the board. Yeah. Every province, every demographic, um, they're slightly more male, slightly under the age of 35. But otherwise, they look just like your next door neighbor. And this is a very different crowd than we've been seeing before. John Wright is our guest. I got about a minute, but I want to let you stretch out here. When you see recent poll numbers and you see better news for the liberals, I attribute it to just just it's September. Everybody's back where they should be. School, work, to, for the most part, etc. So you've got people more dialed in. So the anger, the palpable anger, whether it's about Justin Trudeau or the liberals, is getting modified now with people that shrug their shoulders. Maybe they're a little politically apathetic. Maybe their biggest issue is, well, I didn't lose that much during COVID-19. And and those liberal numbers in the polls are are showing such. Do you see it that way that the good sort of bounce back a little bit and, and, and he's not leaking oil like he was two weeks ago? It's coming back towards more a virtual tie nationally. And that's just great news for the liberals because we don't have proportional representation. Well, I didn't think that we would have anything less than a tight race uh, at the end of the day. But what we've witnessed in the last 10 days is something we didn't have before that. And that is the engagement of both the advertising campaigns that you now see. We started seeing last Thursday, started hitting the areas, but also the social media campaign, very targeted. The movement for the liberals right now are in different parts of the country. That's why Justin Trudeau is in uh, lower Ma um, Vancouver today, because they've been bleeding there. And that's why we see Aaron O'Toole in Ottawa. And you saw him on the weekend up in the 905 uh, area. The big play in this is Quebec, where the mm -hmm. uh, where the premier of Quebec has come out in favor of Mr. O'Toole, um, which is causing some angst with the Bloc Québécois. I, I, look, I think that it started out, um, you know, fairly tight. I think we're going to end up fairly tight. The wild card is Quebec. And also, as you noted, the PPC, I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have because they're being drawn from all the parties. They're not just conservatives doing that. So. You know what? Um, everybody's going to be engaged for the next, uh, you know, week or so. Um, 
And then the next question will be whether COVID, in fact, selects some hurdles for people to get out and actually vote because they're a bit hesitant about that. But it should be a fairly tight race for the rest of the week. Yeah. And whether we wake up eight days from now and even know the result, given the concern about, you know, mail-in voting, we saw that play out in the States with a a delayed count. John, really liked having you on. I hope we can do it again before uh, election night. Big fan of your stuff. Thanks so much, Greg. Take care. You bet. Uh, there's John Wright, uh, Executive VP of Mayor of Public Opinion. Our next guest uh, has been on the show several times. We enjoy our visits with him uh, from uh, University Health Network. Uh, he is Dr. Andrew Boozeri. It's great to have you on, Doc. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate uh, it. Um, what was the weekend like with you and healthcare colleagues talking about the potential for um, protests, not just in Toronto, uh, not just across the province, but across the country? Um, to me, I, I'll lay it. I'll lay it on the line. Um, I, I think it's 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 the lowest form of protest. It's the worst possible and imaginable spot. And I worry they're they're there because they'll get the highest level of attention. What's your read on it? Yeah, I mean, it, it it was disheartening. You know, there's no question about it to um, to be hearing about this and and reading some of the reports about the protests not only happening here outside our hospital but across uh, the country uh, from what from what we were seeing. Um, you know, I think Tar, given what everyone's been through for the last 18 months, um, especially for us thinking about patients and families, as you mentioned, who you know, have to be at hospitals uh, to receive care uh, and the protests, you know, being done deliberately at hospitals. Um, we all believe in people's right to protest. I think it's part of a healthy democracy. It's important for public health, um, but it cannot um, be there to block people, intimidate, harass patients and families or colleagues. Um, that's where I feel that there's a very strong line. And, you know, again, I think for many of us, we're just trying to remind ourselves that this is a very small minority. I worry. Um, I, it, I, well, I don't worry that it's happening. I'm convinced it's happening. It's concerning that this isn't just about people who uh, are are protesting for the sake of protesting, uh, Dr. Buzari, but there are healthcare workers associated with some of these protests. They might be in the minority also, but would you say that's a fair statement that they are documented and it's concerning for fully vaccinated healthcare workers and patients and support staff, that there are people that work in the healthcare industry. There's clearly still long-term care workers uh, that haven't got their shots yet. Um, this is still, this is still happening. How concerning is it to you that there will, would be actual healthcare workers associated with organizing a protest where they work? Yeah, Greg, you know, I don't know too much about who exactly is behind um, the protests and, and which organizations and what, you know, the makeup of the crowd may be in terms of health workers and, um, um, you know, people like you mentioned that may be there for the, for the sake of protesting, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough position in the sense that, you know, there, there is a divide. It seems with people showing up and they have, you know, again, every right to protest, um, this is something where, of course, there is going to be people who have different views, who believe in different ways that that uh, we need to be moving forward. But you know, it has been very clear that this has to be about protecting people, especially with the vaccine, and about people who um, are most vulnerable. And um, you know, I think where you're going to see people take different positions within the healthcare field, outside the healthcare field, uh, so that is going to happen. And I think again fully respect people's right to protest, but it has to be a line about where 
that cannot result in people feeling intimidated, harassed, yelled at uh, for people who are, are trying to, to access care. And, you know, again, really for where these are decisions at the policy level that I think are really important. Mm. And so why the protests are happening at the hospitals, again, I think it, it just it smacks at, at, at us at every level. So I think, you know, it'll be important to see, you know, who is showing up, what what the aspects are in terms of the protest. But, you know, I, I, my my take on this, Greg, and from what I've seen, you know, I think, again, it's we've been putting people in either one camp or the other. And I think it's more nuanced than that. You know, I think yes. it's in either you're anti-vax or you're pro-vax. And I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, I've seen people from when I've been out vaccine clinics, there are people who are truly vaccine hesitant and have every right to be, you know, to continue to ask questions, want to speak with uh, people they trust, whether it's healthcare pr- practitioners or community members, um, and, and to get more information. And that's totally their right. And that's the work that we have to continue to do to provide the best possible information. Um, but when you look at, uh, again, some of folks that we've encountered, there's you know, a lot of vitriol. It's sometimes not even really about the vaccine. There's xenophobia to racism, to misogyny, to a lot of other positions that don't have anything to do with healthcare workers and the vaccine rollout. And that's where I think it's really important for us to, mm. to pull back the curtain on however that's being connected. And, and these, are, I think, again, are going to be important questions for us to sort through. Dr. Andrew Bruzzari, our guest, Global News Radio 640 Toronto, on Toronto Today with Greg Brady. I I hear that, and I wonder then if you have some hesitancy with the vaccine passports, with the mandates. When you mention the um, the hesitancy they have, I mean it's been months of hesitancy. And though the rest of us, from time to time, I mean we all would, in our weakest moments, would get frustrated that we're not at a higher number. Do you worry that they're getting things potentially taken away from them um, because of their of their hesitancy? Do you do you wrestle a little bit with the concept of these mandates or passports, then, doctor? I think like every policy, it's important about how it's implemented, Greg. You know, I think, Mm -hmm. again, there's always going to be unintended consequences. So we have to be vigilant about that. We have to be paying attention to it. Uh, We want to ensure that this is not, again, disproportionately impacting people um, in surviving poverty, having other challenges, accessing other parts of the system or society. So you have to have that vigilance. You have to ensure that, again, how it's being implemented, whether it's from, you know, paper options to uh, barcode scanning, you know, what, what is this going to look like in terms of um, its rollout and how effective and equitable and fair that it can be? Um, I, I think when we've seen what's happened in other jurisdictions within the passports, um, you know, there's, there's, been, there's been real success. There's been about, you know, again, this is about, you know, rights and privileges. And I think, again, people have to feel that they've got the right uh, to to be safe, to be in different settings where they're safe. And again, this is a decision that, uh, you know, the, the broader uh, collective has made about what we need to do to keep each other safe and get through this wave as well as prevent any future lockdowns, which you know have also disproportionately impacted uh, various communities, especially communities uh, in poverty uh, and already facing marginalization. So we know that the interventions that we have uh, in public health have disproportionate impacts. So we, we have to be mindful of that and have that humility. So I think, again, there's always got to be the openness and compassion for that dialogue. And we also have the, the humility about where and how certain policies are working. 
and the openness to to want to iterate on on ensuring that they're as effective as possible. Last thing for you, I've mentioned the idea of 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 an off ramp a couple of times this morning. We played a clip from Dr. Scott Gottlieb in, in the United States where he said he doesn't think he's almost certain that the United States won't get to 90 percent of its population fully vaccinated. I know we're closer. I know we have a higher rate, but I struggle with the idea that we'll get there. And if we get there, Dr. Buzari, it, it's still going to take us weeks and months. And I just I worry people don't know what the end game is that you don't that I don't. And if we don't, because we pay attention to this stuff, the average Canadian doesn't know when it all stops either. And that's frustrating. Yeah, you know, and I I think there's there's no way to deny the frustration. None of us want to be where we're at right now. None of us, you know, and I think that there is frustration, you know, and I can understand that from people. And again, if people want to get back with their lives, uh, people whose lives have been upended throughout this pandemic, as we've talked about over the last year. Um, you know, we there, but there, there is a path forward, and we know that higher vaccine rates provide more protection. The longer we have a larger part of the population uh, without not being vaccinated, there's more probability of there being uh, further variants, uh, we know that, you know, this can be driving more of any future wave. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there needs to be, um, you know, the expectations of what we can expect from each other, what we need to be doing to get us through. And and I think just, again, you know, the biggest thing that this has underscored for me throughout the pandemic is is the need for humility with the science. These things can change. Our understanding does change. Uh, there is a lot of uncertainty. It has been like that from the jump. Um, and, you know, we've, we've pulled and asked uh, a lot from people. And I think, again, though, we're, we're in a place where we have uh, vaccines available that are life-saving when you look again at the evaluations of what the vaccines have been providing and who they've been keeping out of hospitals and ICUs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're in a really pivotal stretch, you know, and I think that, again, we've seen Canadians, and on the whole, when you look at different jurisdictions, really step up in an amazing way for the vaccine. So I I think, you know, there's still a lot of optimism that we have to draw on. I mean, I can see why there's this sense of skepticism, again, about what numbers we can get to, uh, when will we ever get out of this thing, but but we will. And I think that this is something where we want to do it uh, more quickly. Mm -hmm. We want to ensure that, again, for what is possible now, that we're preventing any lockdowns uh, and and really trying to, you know, cripple or hample the 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 economy in any way. And yeah. these are some of the things where we're trying uh, to really ensure that, that people are safe. And again, this is, you know, when talking about rights, it's also about ensuring that, um, you know, people who are the most vulnerable or who have been at the highest risk from people, um, you know, in, in schools, people and children with disability, all of these parts of that of society that have been neglected throughout and pre-pandemic. Have to, we have to ensure that we are doing all that we can with policies uh, to protect people. Yeah, can't take uh, no, absolutely can't take our eye off the ball. That was the goal in the first place. That was the goal from uh, from day one. It still has to be the goal, even as we navigate all this other stuff. I love having you on. I enjoy our conversations. Thanks a ton. Appreciate it, Greg. All the, the best. There's Dr. Andrew Buzari uh, joining us on Global News Radio 640 Toronto from University Health Network. Hey, thanks a lot for checking out Toronto today. We air live 5:30 to 9 on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Back tomorrow for a lot more. We'll see how, well, two things went. One, what was the scale and what was the reaction to the protests taking place across the country at some healthcare facilities? 
and as well the Blue Jays back home and playing in front of a fully vaccinated crowd. That wasn't the case prior to. So if we're fully vaccinated, can we not get more than 15,000 people in this stadium? You are trusting people to be confident and risk mitigate on their own terms. I mean, we are getting back to that, aren't we? That's on Tuesday's show. Thanks very much for checking us out. Please feel free to share with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It's all very helpful. Thanks very much and have a great Monday.